So before I do my playoff preview, which will be later this week, I thought I should start by ranking the quarterbacks that are left in the playoffs. They're the most important position in the sport, and it's also the best way to determine the best teams. So let's get into it. And I'm going to start at one with Patrick Mahomes. Now, there's a few interesting stats that I want to start with on Mahomes. He's averaged 261.4 passing yards per game, which is a career low. He threw a touchdown on 4.5% of his passes, another career low. He threw an interception on 2.3% of his passes, the lowest of his career. His passer rating was 92.6, the worst of his career. He was sacked on 4.33% of his dropbacks, the most of his career. And his team finished 11-6 and six and was in danger of losing the AFC West three weeks ago. But his receivers dropped 40 passes. That's the most in the NFL. That's unbelievable for an NFL team. And then his safety blanket, one of the best offensive players in the NFL, Travis Kelsey, has clearly declined this season. He's nowhere near as explosive. You only really see him catch balls on curls and slants now. You never see him like run down the field, put his head down, run over three defenders, break tackles. You never see that anymore. So the issue with Mahomes at the moment and how you evaluate him is his receiving core sucks, his stats are way down, and his team is nowhere near as good as it was. So how do you weigh that up and determine how good he really is? Well, I'm going to go off previous playoff performance. They won the Super Bowl last year. He came through big in every game. He's super clutch. He's this generation's version of Tom Brady. He never, ever disappoints. So yes, his stats are down. His receiving course sucks. His team isn't as good. And by the way, I don't expect him to go very far in the playoffs. I think they could potentially get upset by the Dolphins. And I actually think that's a real possibility. But Mahomes is still the best quarterback in the league, no matter how bad his receivers are. He's the most valuable player in the world. And he's the clear reason the Chiefs are 11-4. and four. At two, I have Lamar Jackson. He's the clear MVP this season. He's been the front runner for the last three weeks since he beat the 49ers. He has the best record in the NFL at 13-4. and four. But the only issue with his resume is he has no playoff success. He's got one win, and it was against the Tennessee Titans, who were not very good. So yes, he's had the best statistical season. His team has been the best. But I'm just not ready to put him over Mahomes just yet because he hasn't proven anything in the playoffs yet. At three. Now, this is going to be a big surprise to most people. But I've got Matthew Stafford. Now, there's one main reason for this. And it's a unique skill that Stafford has that maybe only one of the quarterback in the NFL has, and it's Mahomes. And it's that he makes everyone around him better. Something that no one on this list below him can say they do. He's helped turn fifth-round pick Puka Nakua into the rookie receiving leader all-time. He's had the most catches ever as a rookie. He's kept Cup engaged and playing pretty well, considering how injured he's been over the last few years. He's turned this Rams team, which on paper looked like it was going to be one of the three worst teams in the NFL this season, and turned them into a real playoff contender who could easily go on to Detroit and upset them this week. Stafford is criminally underrated. He's won a Super Bowl. He has playoff success. He's had incredible game-winning drives. He makes unbelievable throws. He can do everything that people on the list below him do. 
while also making everyone around him better. That's why I have him third, and I don't even think it's a debate. At four, I have Josh Allen, who most people would have in the top three, and there's a reason for it. He's the most talented quarterback in the NFL, and if you remove the interceptions, he would probably be the best. But he just tries to be the hero. He's the Kobe Bryant, the pre-Gasol, post-Shaq Kobe Bryant of the NFL. He tries too hard. He doesn't take what the defense gives him. He's not the best distributor, which is the quarterback's main goal. And the Buffalo defense isn't good enough to sustain the constant turnovers that Buffalo just gifts the other team. So yes, he's incredibly talented, but he needs to utilize time of possession more. He needs to run more quarterback power runs. He needs to throw over the middle in the intermediate range more. And he needs to time his deep shot to digs better. And he needs to time his deep shots better. Sometimes Diggs will be running over the middle of the field. Easy 12 yards, wide open. And he looks off Diggs and looks deep to Shakir, who's in double coverage and throws a pick. Just lower your eyes, Josh. You could easily be one of the three best quarterbacks in the playoffs. But he makes bad mistakes, and that's why he's not. At five, I have the rookie, the most surprising player in the NFL this season, CJ Stroud. Has he been in a playoff game before? No. But do I trust him in big games? Absolutely. Stroud was snubbed from the MVP conversation this season. He turned the second worst team in the NFL into a playoff team with barely any roster changes. In terms of wins and losses, he's the most valuable player this season. That's remarkable. Do I have him ranked over other Super Bowl quarterbacks? Yes. Do I have him over the presumed MVP runner-up? Yes. But it's absolutely deserving. And Stroud is going to be a real issue for the Browns this week. And a potential upset may be coming. At six, I have Dak Prescott. Now I'll admit, Prescott has impressed me this year. He's had great stats. There is an argument to be made he could be MVP. I don't think it's strong enough. But at the moment, I refuse to put him any higher than six until he proves he can win against good teams. The Cowboys have struggled in the face of adversity all season and have just been front runners beating up on bad teams. The only really good win they had this year was against the Eagles, but it turns out the Eagles probably suck. So sorry, Dak. You're not good enough just yet to make the top five. Stats lie, be a playoff record doesn't. Let's see if he proves me wrong. At 7-I, Brock Purdy. So yes, the Ravens game did happen, and you can't really ignore it. He threw four picks against a really good defense, looked shaken, looked like he'd lost his confidence, and he hasn't been that good since. So does that worry me? Yes. But other than that one game, he's looked like an elite quarterback all season and was elite last year. So it's really hard to gauge how much to really value that one really terrible game, which is why this upcoming playoffs is so important to Purdy and might be the most important games for anyone legacy-wise this year. He still needs that extension. It's coming up. If he leads the 49ers to the Super Bowl, even if he doesn't win it, but if he gets there, he secures a huge contract despite the fact that he doesn't have the physical attributes of a top five quarterback and he's a complete historical anomaly 
being the last pick of the draft and becoming an elite quarterback. That's never happened before. So at the moment, the only place I can really rate him is right in the middle. He's not elite. He definitely could be. He's not bad. But if he faces a few good defenses, he could really, really struggle. The lesson we've learned from this season about the 49ers is that there's still a lot to learn about Brock Purdy. At eight, I have Jalen Hurts, who's clearly been injured this year, but it's not really an excuse for the way he's underperformed and the way his team has underperformed in the second half of the season. He's looked nowhere near as dynamic. The Eagles have struggled to move the ball in general. AJ Brown has really faded off as one of the best receivers in the NFL. Devonta Smith has been injured and he's clearly hurt as well, but he's had nowhere near the impact as he did earlier on. The offensive line continues to age and you're now really seeing the effects of it. I mean, Kelsey, this is probably his last year. We could be seeing his last game coming up now. That's going to kill Hurts next year if he retires. The brotherly shove dies if Kelsey retires. That's going to kill Hurts' stats. So the question turns, was last year an outlier? And if you look at him since his rookie year, his rookie year, he was really bad. His second year, he was okay. There were talks near the end of the season that maybe Minshew would replace him, but they stuck with him. He looked better in the last two games. Then last year, he becomes one of the three best quarterbacks in the NFL. He's dynamic. He's unstoppable. The playoffs in the Super Bowl, he plays unbelievable. And then this year, he's regressed to slightly better than what he was in his second year, but nowhere near as good as what he was in the third year. So does that mean... This is actually how good he is, and it's not an outlier. Maybe last season was the outlier. Hertz has a lot to prove in the playoffs. The Eagles look like they're falling apart. I doubt he can salvage it, which is why I have him rated at eight. Now, there's a clear tier drop-off from nine onwards. And at nine, I have Jordan Love, who this is technically his rookie season. He's been in the NFL for three years now. He sat behind Rodgers, which is the most underrated thing a quarterback can do, in my opinion. Mahomes did it. Love's done it now. More quarterbacks should sit at least their first year. It helps so much. The data is there to support it now. I think it should be encouraged more. We, we throw players like Bryce Young into the mix straight away with a roster that's just not good enough to support a rookie quarterback. Young should have sat behind Andy Dalton, this whole year, he should have sat. He shouldn't have played a single snap. He should have sat and watched, let the general manager improve the roster, let everyone get better, and then bring in him next year. He's lost no confidence. He's got a chip on his shoulder because he didn't play. He's excited to get out there, and he's still an unknown. It's the most underrated thing an NFL team can do. It's clearly benefited Jordan Love so much. He looks so confident in week 18 against the Bears. He's the main reason the Packers have made the playoffs. LaFleur and the coaching staff have really helped him. And, and I think the most important thing you can do for a rookie quarterback is make sure they don't lose their confidence. Because as soon as the confidence is gone, their career is gone. We've seen it with Mac Jones. We're potentially seeing it with Bryce Young. It's so important to keep your quarterback engaged and confident. And they've done that with love all year. And now it's paying dividends. I love what he's doing in Green Bay. Love is nine. At 10, I have Jared Goff, who's dropped off a little bit this year. Now, Goff, to me, is a floor raiser. He's not a ceiling raiser. Goff isn't going to win you a game. But if he's playing well, he's not going to lose it. 
And that's what's worried me a little bit this year. Goff's thrown a lot of interceptions, and it's cost them a lot of games. If Goff throws more than one pick in the playoffs, the Lions don't win the game. His job, his role, has to be protect the ball, throw to the guys that are open, and just be your average game manager. Because there's so much talent on the Lions, he doesn't have to be the hero that Josh Allen feels he has to be. And I think that's why... At 11, I have Tua, who, again, all he has to do is throw to Tyreek, throw to Waddle, don't turn the ball over. But Tua, to me, feels like he thinks he's better than what he is, which is what a quarterback has to do, especially the best ones. It's how they all are wired, and it makes sense because you need to have confidence. But Tua has a bit of Josh Allen syndrome, where he tries to be the hero And we saw it in week 18 against the Bills. He throws an out route to chase Claypool instead of looking down Tyreek Hill. That's definitely not the smartest thing in the world. So Tua, he makes the throws when they're open. But sometimes when the defense tightens up and the game's on the line, he can make some bad decisions, which is why I have him at 11. Now, maybe unfairly, at 12, I have Joe Flacco, who's off the couch He's come out of retirement and he's playing really well at the moment for the Browns. Now, I think Flacco has been empowered this season because of how good the Browns' defense has been. He's pretty much just been able to let it rip like Brett Favre used to do in his prime. He likes the play-action deep ball and it hits probably 25% of the time. And when it does hit, it's great. When it doesn't, it's a punt. Not that big of a deal. So Flacco's in one of the best situations you could possibly be in for in terms of teams in the playoffs. And it's what's so frustrating about Deshaun Watson this year. He's got it so easy and he's still been terrible. The funnest storyline with Flacco is if the Browns dominate in the playoffs and somehow beat the Ravens, do you keep Flacco and move on from Watson? Even with that contract and the dead money and the dead cap that would they'd have to take on, I think you'd probably do it, which would be an unreal story for someone who's coming out of retirement and is so old. And he was on the Broncos uh, four years ago, backing up to Drew Locke, who is bad. And to me, he looked finished. So for, for what he's doing right now, it's, it's legitimately incredible. At 13, I have Baker Mayfield, who just got on a million dollar check for making the playoffs. Now, after the Bucks made the playoffs this week, I think there's been a lot of talk about how Baker's underrated. And while I agree he's definitely not deserving of being a backup or out of the league, I still don't think he's that great. He just makes a lot of bad decisions, and I'd like my quarterback to protect the ball, especially on throws that aren't 40 yards down the field like Flacco's. Now, to be fair to Baker, this Bucks team isn't very good, and it's kind of crazy that they made the playoffs, especially with the injuries they had and the loss of Brady and how desperate they were to keep him. It's a good effort for them to make it. But I just don't think Baker's that special. And I think 13 is the right place for him to be ranked. Now, 14, I have Mason Rudolph. I think he crashes back down to earth this week. He did a little bit against the Ravens. He wasn't very good. He'd scored 30-plus in two weeks before the Ravens game. We've seen so many backup quarterbacks this season have four really good weeks and then just fall apart. We've seen it with Dobbs and... Uh, Tommy DeVito and Tyra Taylor and almost every backup. And I think that'll be the case for Rudolph 
this week against the Bills, even though it's not that great of a defense, I just think he's not very good. And there was a reason he was the third string. All right, that was my quarterback rankings later this week. I'll be back with Finlay Butcher talking about the state of the Australian cricket team and doing a first 11 draft where we'll draft our own Australian teams from the pool of players that are currently in form enough to be playing test cricket at the international level. We'll also be discussing Steve Smith moving to the opening spot in David Warner's absence and Cam Smith returning to the team. Then after that, I'll be doing a playoff preview for the NFL. The first round is coming. It's a really good bracket. I'm really excited. Hope you tune in for that.